Well, good morning. It's good to see those of you who are here in the worship center. Welcome to those of you who are in the venue as well as those who are joining us online. Before we turn to the word this morning, I wanted to mention just a couple of things. Uh, First, you may have noticed that more and more people are returning to in-person worship, and that includes some of you. I saw some people in the foyer a little bit ago that I had not seen in one year. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing. It, it's uh, so great to see people after so long an absence. And uh, many of those returning, many of you are families who have kids that are in our uh, next-gen programming, and that's why you've come to this service. Uh, in, a, in a few weeks, we're going to add an additional hour for next-gen programming, so you have another option of when you can come with your children. But until that time, this 945 service is often, most, almost always, full to overflowing, both in the worship center here as well as down in the venue. Uh, many of you responded a couple, couple weeks ago, actually about a month ago. We asked 50 or so of you to go to a different service. And a number of people did. We're very thankful for that. Uh, the fact remains that this, this hour is still really full. And the last thing we want is for people to come and not have a place to sit. Last week, there were as many people here during the 945 hour as there were the other two hours combined. And so, coming this morning with another request, uh, we're asking 50 or 60 of you who can to move to either an earlier or later service. If you can't, absolutely no shame in that, or if for whatever reason it doesn't work for you, we really don't want all of you to go to a different service. Uh, We assume that you're here because this is your preferred hour, but as a sacrifice, as a way to serve others, we'd like for 50 or 60 of you to move to either the early or the late service. Just so you know, we're not going to give you a mug. We're not going to give you uh, complimentary pretzels or anything like that. We're just asking if you would. Something that might help you make the change to a later hour is that uh, beginning next Sunday, we're moving the service from 11.15 back to 11 o'clock. And uh, we're also adding live worship in the venue during that hour. And so beginning next week, we'll have three services three service times, and all three times we'll have worship in this room, in the worship center, and in the venue. So that'll be at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 o'clock. And of course, we'll continue to live stream at 8.30 and 9.45. And for some of you, that's, that's uh, really your, your uh, preferred option, and we absolutely respect that. That's the first thing. The second thing is next week we're going to begin a sermon series in the book of 1 John. It's five chapters. I would encourage you between now and then to read 1 John. And as you do, ask yourself the question, uh, what is John's purpose in writing? Why is John writing the book of 1 John? And I'll give you a hint. You want a hint? About 10 or 12 times he says, I am writing this so that... So just notice those things. Next week we'll give kind of an overview so we can kind of lock in on why John wrote that letter, why it's so strategic for us as followers of Christ. Well, this morning we have baptisms, and there are seven people being baptized over the course of the morning. Two of those will be baptized during this hour. And so as we prepare for the baptism, I'd like for us to consider briefly what Paul says about baptism in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you would please stand as I read 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10 through 17. 
Paul writes this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. This is God's word. You can have a seat. So as we just read, Paul had gotten this report that there was there were factions, there were divisions in the church at Corinth. He had this report from Chloe's people that they were quarreling, there was infighting. And in our day, this is just kind of taken as a, as a, as a reality. This is just what we do in the church. It's kind of like our version of intramurals. We divide up into teams. We're all part of the same institute, but we divide up into teams and just go at each other. It's, it's just kind of sport for some people. But when Paul heard that there were divisions... In Corinth, it was troubling because it distorted the gospel. And apparently they had formed factions with uh, loyalties to different teachers in the Corinthian church. And that's the way they differentiated themselves from one another. They tried to make themselves look superior to other people by saying, I'm aligned with this person. For example, I follow Paul. And implicit in that is, and I'm superior to these other people who follow Apollos. And they were doing a very similar thing with their spiritual gifts. Some saw themselves as, as superior because of their, their gifting, what had been given them by God. Well, Paul's conviction was that their only hope for unity was to focus on their common loyalty to Christ. And so beginning in verse 13, he asked a series of rhetorical questions to make his point. He says this, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And the answer to these questions was, no, of course not. Christ is not divided, therefore the body of Christ shouldn't be divided. Paul wasn't crucified for you, therefore you shouldn't find your identity in Paul. The thing that defines you shouldn't be Paul or any other human being. Uh, you weren't, were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, of course not. You were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And at the church in Corinth, they must have had some, some, uh, uh, some very severe distortions on their, their perception of baptism because Paul continues to drive home his point. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say you were baptized in my name. And then in verse 16, he says, actually, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. But beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. And so you see the tone of it? He says, I can think of two individuals and one household that I baptized. 
And apparently Paul's uh, habit, his custom was, when he went to a place and shared the gospel, he himself baptized the original people who came to Christ, but then subsequent people who came to Christ, they were baptized by others. And so there aren't any rules about who can baptize whom in the, in the New Testament, but Paul didn't want anybody's identity to be wrapped up in him, who he was. And so, uh, again, he never wanted that to be the case. He wanted the cross of Christ to be front and center. And so in verse 17, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of of its power. And so, of course, Paul didn't in any way disparage baptism. Baptism is mentioned in the mission that Jesus gave the church. Jesus said, go, make disciples, people who are apprenticed to Jesus, learning from Jesus how to live their lives the way Jesus lived his life. Um, Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe everything that, that I've commanded you. And so baptism is part of our mission. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce made the memorable statement that the New Testament knows nothing of an unbaptized believer. The New Testament knows nothing of an unbaptized believer. And so baptism isn't some random optional practice that you can do with whatever you want. No, baptism is one of the foundational ways that new believers are able to declare their faith publicly. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so baptism is vital. It's important. But Paul's point here is that it's secondary. What's primary is the reality to which baptism points, namely the salvation that was secured by the cross of Christ. And so Paul says, when I preach, I don't use eloquent language. I'm not trying to use human persuasion just to try somehow to get people to believe, even though they really don't want to. No, Paul didn't need to do that because the gospel is powerful. The gospel is persuasive. It's the power of God for salvation. And so Paul went around preaching that the gospel, which is the announcement, the message about Christ. And that's what we talk about here week after week after week. Jesus left his eternal home. He existed with God from eternity past. He took on flesh and blood to identify with us. If he were not fully human, he could not die for the sins of humans. So he took on flesh and blood. He lived a sinless life. And then he died on the cross as the payment for our sin. He died the death that we deserved. On the third day, he was raised bodily from the dead. And that that, uh, uh, confirmed It verified everything Jesus had taught and did, and now he's enthroned at the right hand of God the Father. And so that's the gospel. Well, why do we preach the gospel? Why did Paul preach the gospel? One of the core reasons is because everybody will spend eternity somewhere. Every single human being will will spend eternity somewhere. We are created in God's image, therefore we are eternal beings. A similar, similar thing is true of angels. Angels were created in the image of God, and so holy angels will spend eternity with God. The rebellious angels will spend eternity with Satan in hell. And so everybody will spend eternity somewhere. You and I, everybody hearing my voice, every human on the planet, we will either experience eternal life 
in the presence of God himself, or we will experience eternal death in hell, banished from the presence of God. And so that's a spiritual reality. But the gospel is that God is so rich in mercy. He so loved the world that he sent his unique son to die for us so that whoever believes in him, you, me, everybody, whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So those that are being baptized today are, are, are declaring, I've experienced eternal life. They're not raising their hands and said, I've arrived or I've attained any level, a certain level of maturity. No, they're saying, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died as my substitute. He got what I deserve. I put my faith in him and God has forgiven me. He's washed me. He's made me a new creature in Christ. And now I have this life in Christ. And so it is my desire to walk with Christ throughout this life and on into eternity. And by his grace, that's what will happen. And so that's their declaration. And that is the declaration of every single believer in Jesus, not just a select few. Therefore, baptism is an expression of our unity in Christ. Baptism declares that we all stand before God on, on level ground. We all stand before God in need of his grace. And so baptism is an expression of our unity in Christ. Whatever differences we have when it comes to non-essentials, whatever differences we have when it comes to how we apply Scripture, this is our commonality, the cross of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 5, Paul said there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so it's with great joy that we declare our unity through baptism. It's, it's illustrated through baptism. And here how, this is how it's going to work this morning. Different, different uh, churches have different traditions. But what, what, what's going to happen here? In a few minutes, you're going to see a video of the testimonies of those who are being baptized, of all seven who are baptized across the morning. They'll be talking about their faith. Uh, what their circumstances when they came to Christ, people that have influenced them, uh, what God has done, is doing in their lives. And then after we watch the, the testimonies, we'll have the actual baptisms. And people who are baptized here at Faith have the option of having someone baptize them, either one of our pastors or someone who is, has influenced them, built into their lives spiritually. And so here's how the actual baptism works. So the two people get into the water uh, together, the person being baptized and the person that's going to baptize them. And the person being baptized will answer these three questions. Uh, first of all, the question, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil in the world? And they say, I renounce them. Second, do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? I do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? I will with God's help. That's a pretty serious declaration, right? And so uh, it's this comprehensive declaration of I'm all in when it comes to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then after they're baptized, 
we as a church will have the opportunity to respond. And so we will be asked this question, people of God, what is our response? And then this will be up on the screen and uh, we'll say this all together out loud. So why don't we practice that now? People of God, what is our response? We receive you into the household of God, confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in his eternal family. And so in this service, uh, Ashlyn Hahn will be baptized by Maria Grimes, and Josh Stevenson will be baptized by Brian Anderson. And so as you turn your attention to the screen, like for those who are going to be baptized to uh, come to the changing area. I grew up in the church, um, but it was really something we only did on Sundays. As I like was going into college, um, my family was going through a pretty tough time, and then like the transitioning and moving from home um, really took a toll on me, I guess. I decided randomly one day to catch up with an old friend, um, and in our conversation, they said, hey, how's your faith? And I was like, oh, uh, good, question mark. Um, I just really brushed off the question, but it sat with me for like days. And I think that's what really made me realize that my faith was almost non-existent. And throughout that remainder of the spring and over the summer, I kind of started um, investigating faith by myself and figuring out what it was like to actually read my Bible. <laughs> my real game changer was when I moved into my sorority house the following fall. Um, and some girls reached out to me and I figured out what fellowship was. Christ has made a huge difference in my life. Um, I feel like the biggest thing that stands out to me is just the overflowing joy that he places um, in me, I guess. Um, I think that I've discovered that even through really difficult circumstances, um, I can still wake up each day um, and be joyful, even on the days that I might not be the most happy. Um, I first put my faith in Christ at the end of July last year. Um, basically, I was struggling in every aspect of my life, and I had a friend who was reaching out to me several times, and she was sharing the gospel with me and trying to get me to do a Bible study with her, and I pushed her away many times, and. Uh, didn't wasn't interested in it and then eventually over the summer um, what she had told me was kind of on my mind a lot the main influence in my walk has been my friend Rebecca she shared the gospel with me and showed me how to like read and understand my Bible which was not something I really knew how to do before and with my relationship with Christ I really appreciate how through him, I have found true happiness. Um, before I was pursuing my relationship with Christ, I struggled a lot uh, mentally and I wasn't happy. And I tried to find my happiness through like what I deemed as like good circumstances or the opinion and approval of other people, which usually left me unfulfilled and not happy didn't bring me the happiness that I thought I was going to. Something he has been teaching me lately is that there is a reason for the trials that I go through, even though I do not always realize it right away. I first put my faith in Christ uh, when I truly met people who were using college not as a time to 
to you know seek out worldly things like parties or grades or whatever, but were using college as a time to grow in their faith. And so I saw the contentment and joy that they had. <laughs> you know, I just got curious. I began hanging out with them, and through them and through them encouraging me to go things like Stumo, I found my faith, and you know I haven't looked back since. I gave my life at a thing called SMC. Uh, it was over this winter conference for Stumo, and uh, that definitely influenced uh, my walk with God. I began to understand what kind of God he was and how much love he had for me, uh, but also through a guy named Zane Myers who poured uh, time and love into me, I began to just understand what it meant to walk with God and how that looked like. The biggest difference in my life um, before and after Christ is just the contentment that I have. Uh, just the ability to experience true joy and true love. Like God is love and so just being able to be content in every aspect of my life is something that I love and appreciate. Something that God's really been instilling in my heart is Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be given to you as well. Uh, definitely in college, it's super easy to seek out things like grades or other worldly things, but definitely having that focus on God solely is something that God's been super pushing in my heart. We, uh, we hardly went to church when I was younger. Uh, my dad and mom just never was big into it. And so there was a church by my house that we would occasionally go to, but we never, we wasn't really like participating in church. And then there was another church that was right down the road from our house too. And my sister started going to that for Wednesday night's youth group. And I started going there because she was babysitting me. So when I, when I, went, when I went there, it was mainly to meet friends. We talked about salvation and forgiveness and stuff like that. And that was like the first time I've uh, heard that. And that was, it made me think like, this whole time is like, I need this, I need, I need, I want to learn Jesus, about Jesus, and I want to live for Jesus. I can go to him anytime I need to. And it's just the knowing that he's there listening and that he's, and he wants, and he wants me to rely on him is probably the best thing because if you try to live without him, it's impossible. And it's just stressful and and uh, painful, but but yeah, just having like no matter where I'm at in my life, I can always just turn to Him, and He's always there for me. I first put my faith in Christ um, April of my freshman year at high school, and kind of what led up to that point was growing up in my childhood, went to church off and on with my family, um, but God was never personal in our home. I never knew the true gospel, never knew what it looked like to have a relationship with Christ, and. In junior high, I started going to youth group more um, in FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes at my high school. And my older brother, Lamar, was a junior in high school at the time, and he gave his life to Christ, became saved, and seeing him go from darkness to light and the transformation in his life. Yeah, I think the biggest difference um, that Christ has made in my life, and one thing just really thankful um, that's true of him and true of my relationship with him is just his eternal and complete forgiveness. Um, it's not based upon doing right, doing wrong. Uh, Jesus died on the cross knowing every sin I had committed, knowing every sin I would commit for the rest of my life, and He cho chose to give His life for me and for all. And so just that knowing that I can continually ask Him for forgiveness, and as First John 1, 9 says, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess Him and come to Him. And really also just having secure hope and peace in the Lord, knowing that this life may be chaotic, it may be discouraging and sad and disappointing, but um, 
if we're walking with him and abiding in him, we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. So when I first put my faith in Christ, it was about my junior year of college. Um, before that, when I was growing up and I was younger, um, I would used to go to church a lot with my mom and my grandparents. But kind of as I started to grow up in the middle school, high school range, we kind of stopped that. Um, and with that, I just kind of had my priorities completely, um, completely different than what they should have been, uh, where I put a lot of my identity into my academics, my relationships with other people, um, and completely and wholly into my family. And I felt completely broken and empty, and I didn't know what the next move was. Um, but then I went to this conference through crew. There's a ROTC ministry called Valor. Um, and at that ministry, we had to hit that question head on, what are we putting our identity in? Um, and that struck a chord with me, and I ended up praying about that every single night that I was there. Um, like, what am I truly putting my identity and my values inside of? And it wasn't Christ at that time. So the difference that uh, having a true relationship with Christ has had was it just gave me so much more confidence. I never felt like I was alone, even when I was on my worst days, or even when I felt like the challenges that I was given were completely overwhelming me. Um, instead of just blaming myself and coming down hard on myself, it was like, well, God gave me this because he knew that I could handle it, and if I don't feel like I can handle it, then I'm not putting enough trust inside the fact that he's going to help me through it. So I first put my faith in Christ about a year ago, or just over a year ago. Um, I grew up kind of surrounded by faith, but it wasn't a big part of my life, and I kind of questioned a lot of things. Some things happened in my life that uh, made me question how a God that was supposed to be loving really was loving me. And so I kind of put it to the side for a lot of years until I got to college, and some girls that I met started kind of sharing with me and invited me into their lives a little bit. Um, and one girl, um, her name's Macy. She shared with me a lot and just completely took me in, loved me, and showed me a world different than I had experienced before. Um, I remember one time, Macy and I were kind of talking about things, um, just about our past and everything, and she shared with me about how her younger sister had passed away a couple of years ago. Um, and it was the first time that I'd seen somebody talk about uh, somebody pass away, like a family member, and still be happy and speak with joy about it because she was comfortable knowing where her sister was and she knew where she was going and she was just full of joy and happiness about it and so that was kind of the moment that I decided that I wanted that to be a part of my life and I wanted my life to look like that and become a life of happiness and comfort that was different from anything I'd been living before. Now that I know that God is somebody who walks with me all the time, then I have somebody by my side. And I know that he's not letting me suffer just for the sake of letting me suffer or because he's angry or um, mad at me in any way. It's because he wants me to learn something or he's right by my side through it and he's letting me experience life and learning how to be more like Jesus and closer to him, which is really cool.
Josh, it is uh, my privilege to baptize you today. Appreciate your heart to lean into Christ and to seek him and to walk with him. And so I want to lead you in a confession of your faith. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil in the world? I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? I do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? I will, with God's help. Josh, based on your confession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. People of God, what is our response? We receive you into the household of God, confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in his eternal family. Ashlyn, just watching your life over a year now, it's just been so evident that God has been working in it through your life. And from the moment that you brought a list of questions to hang out with me because you wanted to learn, I knew that you were going to be someone who's going to be faithful and just love God deeply. And so I'm excited to lead you in a confession of your faith. So trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil in the world? I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? I do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? I will, with God's help. Okay. On the basis of your confession of Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> People of God, what is our response? We receive you into the household of God, confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in his eternal life. <laughs>